okay, I, I kind of, I went through that for a reason because now I can use my experiences to relate better to other people and be more empathetic to people who are struggling, um, you know, with the same things that I did. Are you worn and exhausted from living a life of aimlessly going through the motions? When we are living this way, it's easy to feel that our lives lack meaning. But that sentiment couldn't be further from the truth. Dear friend, so much of what you're hoping for is already right in front of you. You just might need some inspiration from the stories and conversations of everyday women who are unique and also share things in common with you. Welcome to the Commons with Carla. Join us as we learn, grow, and connect week after week to create lives and homes where our moments and relationships are overflowing with purpose and intention. Today's guest, Whitney Adkins, is a wonderful and empathetic woman with a full life. As you listen to her story, you will hear about Whitney's many roles and how she navigates them day to day. Whitney shares her past and present story, including the pivotal moments and the community that have shaped her. Whitney is a dynamic, resilient, and talented human who values community. Get ready to be inspired by Whitney as we talk about pursuing and making an impact in your community. I am Carla Osorno, and this is The Commons with Carla, episode 109. Whitney, welcome to The Commons. Hi, Carla. Thank you. (laughs) I am so excited. Before we jump into your story, I want to take advantage of having you at The Commons and say thank you. Every single week, you take raw audio files, <laughs> a mess that I make, and you turn them into an episode. And I'm really just so extremely grateful for you, for your creativity, for your expertise, for your heart. Thank you so much for all you do to make the comments with Carla podcast and the assets and the media and the marketing and all the stuff happen. Thank you. Oh. It's been my pleasure, Carla. The The cool thing is, is that I enjoy listening to every episode. <laughs> so it's, it's a, a side job, but then it's also something I really enjoy and I get to hear all of your wonderful episodes. So it's been my pleasure. Well, we I appreciate it because I think I've shared this with Bethany, but I don't know that I've ever shared it with you is that I could, I'm so technically challenged and I'm also so (laughs) impatient. And even now I'm standing while we talk, like I just, it's hard for me to sit. And so I can't even imagine, I basically, this podcast wouldn't exist if it weren't for you doing it because I love the conversations and I love this part of it, but I just am incapable of doing the other half. And so thank you. (laughs) Oh yeah, of course. Yeah. There's a, I think there's a lot that goes on kind of behind the scenes of podcasts that people don't even really, you know, recognize. So, but I, I truly do. I enjoy it. Well, I'm grateful. And I'm really <laughs> excited for you to be here because even though we're talking podcast stuff all the time or regularly, mm-hmm. we, I don't really know a lot about your story. Like I know the basics. I could identify you and your children in a crowd, but we live right. in different parts of the country and we just yep. don't get, I guess I don't intentionally make it possible for us to talk all the time. And so I'm really, really excited that you're here. And I would love for you to start with just telling us where do you call home? (laughs) Okay. So um, I live in a small town called East Liverpool, Ohio, and I have lived here my whole life, born and raised here. My family's from here. Um, So yeah, it's really, I've never moved out of East Liverpool. So it's just where I've been my whole life. Okay. Well, I, yeah. that's one thing I didn't know. I'm like, I knew you grew up in a small town, but I didn't yeah. know that you still lived in that same town. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Pretty cool. I, I did. I, um, when I went away to college, I even, I didn't go too far. My college was within 45 minutes. So, and then I ended up moving back anyway. So yeah, I haven't, <laughs> I haven't strayed too far from where I started. Well, that's cool. And I, that's not, I, I don't know how common that is. I, I Most of the people that I talk to are, are in a different geographic place. And a lot of times they'll be away for a while and then they'll come home. But I, yeah. I'm really excited to hear more about your town as we get into your early story in a little bit. But there's got to be something pretty powerful about that town and and mm-hmm. something in your story that would draw you home. Mm-hmm. So tell me about your, your family. Who are your people that live under the same roof as you? 
Okay, so I am married to my husband, Nick. We have been together um, this summer will be our fifth um, anniversary. And we have two little ones, our son, Grayson, who is six years old. He's in kindergarten this year. And then we have a daughter named Josie, who is two. So two little ones that uh, keep us busy <laughs> and yeah. on our toes. <laughs> yeah. yeah. They're adorable too. But what's oh, your, thank you. <laughs> what's your favorite thing to do with Grayson? So right now, our favorite thing to do is he, since he's in kindergarten, he's getting to that stage now where he's learning how to read. So what we've been doing lately is we go down to the library at least once a week and he got a library card and he just thinks it's so fun picking out books and we've been reading them together. He's loving, I don't know if you've ever heard of the elephant and piggy books. No. Um, they, they're just funny books, but they're easy reads. So we're finally getting to the point where he's starting to read me books now instead of me always reading to him. And I just love how much he loves it because when I was young, my mom always took me to the same library. We did the summer reading programs and I just absolutely loved it. It was some of my favorite memories. So now that I get to do that with him, it just, it makes me happy. That's so beautiful. I love that. <laughs> I, when we finish recording today, I'm heading to the library. It has such a special place in my heart and I'm going to look for those books so that I can flip through one. <laughs> yes, they are. They're, they are funny, actually. <laughs> like Even as an adult, I enjoy reading them. <laughs> That's great. And, yeah. and at this stage, right, there's so much you're reading repeatedly yeah. the same books. Right. And so yeah. it's good that you like them. <laughs> yes, exactly. Yes. <laughs> yeah, for sure. <laughs> and how about your daughter? What do you enjoy? doing with her at two, you know, that's, yes, yeah, she pretty much is, um, <laughs> yes, yeah, she pretty much, you know, is along for the ride with us wherever we go. And she, um, she loves right now. She's into playing Barbie dolls and, um, you know, all that fun stuff. She loves being outside. So yeah, with her, it's basically just a matter of chasing her around and trying to keep up with her. <laughs> yeah, That's fun because you get to be her mom and be engaged with her. And you also get to say workout check because you're just busy all the exactly, time. Exactly. <laughs> for sure. Yeah. Yeah. There's not much um, sitting and resting <laughs> involved with her. <laughs> well, and I want to hear about you. So talk about, let's talk about your life and community now. And mm -hmm. One of the questions that I like to ask, and I think it's just powerful, whether you're on a podcast or whether you're just in life, is what does a day look like for Whitney? Because when you ask that question, I want to ask you that question, but I also want to say about it, because this is a podcast about connection and friendship and community, is it, it's a great question. You get to know a lot about a person when you find out what a, what a day looks like. And most people will say, no day is typical, and that's fine. Just mm -hmm. tell me about any day. So Whitney... Okay. What does a day look like for you? <laughs> so um, right now, I guess I should mention, I, I teach third grade. So um, I teach at the elementary school here in our town. And Grayson, with this being his first year of kindergarten, we get to go to the same school together, which is really fun. So typically during the week, um, Grayson and I, we get up and we go to school together. So um, he'll come with me and then Nick is kind of in charge of getting Josie ready and taking her to the babysitter. And so we usually go to school and then afterwards, Grayson and I, we go pick up Josie. And then depending on what day it is, usually we get home and it's a lot of playing together. If it's nice out, which it has been lately, we go outside and play, um, playing toys. And then, you know, kind of the usual bedtime routine, the dinner, bath time. <laughs> yeah. So, you know, sometimes it it can feel a little bit monotonous, but like you said, no day is the same, you know, whether whatever we decide to get into. Right now, Grayson is um, really adamant about wanting to start his own YouTube channel. <laughs> that seems like well, that's what all the kids want to do nowadays is be YouTubers. So I um, have been trying to help him <laughs> with his creativity. We've been trying to do some videos here and there. So it is, it's just, you never know what they're going to want to do that day. So they keep us on our toes. And I'm currently coaching a volleyball team as well. So um, a couple of days a week, that'll look like me going to practice or today we actually had a game earlier before this podcast. And so I like to do that as kind of something I enjoy for myself. Volleyball has been a big part of my life for 
a long time. So, and then on the weekends, we are normally visiting family. Like for example, this weekend we have um, a birthday party for my husband's mom. Tomorrow we're going to our first of four Easter dinners. <laughs> so uh, yeah, so we always, we like to be around family and um, we just really enjoy spending time together, us four too. Yeah. That, see, that is a full life. Like I, yeah. I just knew you were going to say that. And I'm wondering when do you fit in podcast editing? Do you like stay up late at night or how are you fitting mm-hmm. that in? Yeah. So most of the time when I do work on the podcast stuff, it is at night when the kids go to bed or um, on the weekends, I try to wake up early and fit it in um, before the kids wake up. So it's nice because it really is flexible. So, you know, whenever I have that time to squeeze it in, then it's not like I have to do it like at a, you know, by a certain time on a certain day, which is what I like about it, you know, because I do have a full-time job as a teacher that with the podcast editing, I can, you know, it can fit it into my schedule and still have, you know, free open time to spend with the kids and everything. So yeah, I really enjoy it. Right. Mm -hmm. I love that. Okay. So Mm -hmm. you're a teacher and I, the teachers that I know there's, it's not, doesn't end in the classroom. Like there's always stuff to do at home too. So you're also navigating that and fitting that in. Yeah. Yeah. I am. Do you sleep? <laughs> oh, sometimes I um, you know, this is my fifth year teaching, and I think what I've you know when I first started out, I definitely brought a lot of work home and a lot of um, not turning my brain off when I got home about what I need to do the next day. But I think my mom's a teacher as well, and she's been teaching longer than me, and she just gave me advice that was like, listen, when the day is done, you have to be done too. Like there's, there will always be a never ending to-do list and you will never check it all off. So at some point you have to just leave it there and it will be there tomorrow. So I think over, you know, over these five years of teaching, I've learned a better balance between, you know, bringing things home to do for the next day and just kind of getting better at time management to get things done at school so I don't have to do as much at home. So it's it's definitely been a learning experience <laughs> juggling because I do like I'm someone that likes to go like all in with things and I guess go over the top with things sometimes. So it, it's been a little bit of like a boundary that I've had to set with myself is to just kind of leave school at school sometimes and then, you know, I kind of switch from that hat to being mom and then podcast editor and coach and wife. So it's like just trying to balance it all out, I guess. Can be yeah. tricky sometimes. <laughs> it can be tricky. And you have and you yeah. have so many roles. And and knowing that what you just said about yourself, that self-awareness that you have that you can go all in. So you do have yeah. to get really good at setting boundaries. And mm-hmm. I think it's so wise of you because you are young. You're a young woman. <laughs> very mature, but for you to learn that lesson so early, I think is beneficial for your family and for your, your kiddos at home and your kiddos at school. Like it feels like a healthy thing for you to be able to come in loving it and excited for the day instead of exhausted by the work that you did outside of school. Yeah. Yeah. I feel like, um, the teaching career, it, it can easily lead to burnout if you let it, especially, when you have little kids at home, because I'm with a classroom full of young kids all day, which can be trying for your patience. And so then when I come home, I'm, you know, my little kids, they don't care that I was with a classroom full of 20 kids all day. They still have all the energy in the world and they want to play and they want that time from me too. So it's just like, I don't want to just give them what's left over. So I have had to kind of draw boundaries so that they're both getting the best parts of me. So it's, yeah, it's been tough, but I think I'm, I'm finally getting it. <laughs> well, I I'm glad that you shared that because I think women, we, as women, we deal with that, whether we're teachers or whether our profession or our calling leads us in a different direction. Yeah. And so I think it's important to talk about and acknowledge and admit and to, and to just continue to grow. And I love that you've learned it. What do you love about teaching third grade? So your classes, you have a class size of 20. What do you love about that? Mm -hmm. Um, 
what I really like about third grade is that um, for me, I feel like they're still young and they're fun and um, they're so creative, but at the same time, they are towards like one of the upper grades in elementary. So they are still, they can work independently and they can, like, I can tell them to do something and they can just go do it. Whereas like kindergarten, there's a lot, I feel like a lot, probably even more energy because I did my student teaching in kindergarten and it, kindergarten teachers are, they're special people. <laughs> that is because it, it takes a lot of energy because they don't have as much independence. They, they're much more like they need you more. Whereas third graders, um, it's kind of a, a good mix of both. Like they're so young, but at the same time, they are able to work on things independently. And I, I really, I enjoy this age. Like they're still young enough that they want to please their teacher. I feel like it's a good in-between grade of like not too young, but not to that like middle school, you know, age yet. So I, that's why I like third grade. Sound that's, those are great reasons. What <laughs> frustrates you about being a teacher? Well, this this is a perfectly timed question because this week we just got done with all of our state testing. And I would say that is probably the worst thing about third grade. Um, you know, I don't know about other states, but in Ohio, we have a lot of standardized testing in third grade. And um, it just, it seems like so much focus in school has shifted to standardized testing and paperwork. And um, it's, it's frustrating sometimes because I, I see, like, I get to see these kids in the classroom every day and all of their accomplishments and their growth and all the wonderful things about them. And then for people on the outside to just kind of view them as a test score can be frustrating. Memory Lane Chats is a great way to record the story of your family. I recall spending time with my grandma when I was really young, too young to ask her all of the questions I would ask her now if she were still living. I miss her voice and want to know more about who she was as a woman, wife, mom, and friend. I created Memory Lane Chats to help other people capture stories and voices in audio that will last. Knowing the story we were born into and understanding the people who came before us is powerful, beautiful, and healing. Here's how it works. You and your loved ones answer a few important questions, and then we at Memory Lane Chats craft conversation questions, coordinate an interview, and record the answers and stories. You get the recorded conversation to listen to and share for decades to come. Invite your loved one to tell their stories at MemoryLaneChats.com. Stories matter, and Memory Lane Chats wants to help you tell yours to future generations. I had a little girl while we were taking the standardized test just break down in tears, crying, and they're just so stressed. And I, I absolutely hate it. I mean, these kids are eight or nine years old in this class, and for them to be so stressed out already about, you know, test scores. I would say that's that's the most frustrating thing to me because they want us to just, you know, prep for the test, get them ready for the test. And I just, I don't think that's what the whole focus should be in school. And I think it's too much pressure for them, you know, being so young. So I would say that's one thing that frustrates me the most about teaching. Well, as a parent, I agree. It's frustrating. Yeah. <laughs> Nobody likes it. Yeah. It's Nobody it likes it. You wonder who's using it and how how right. they think it matters. Yeah. 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 Because yeah, they just, I see a student and I see their whole picture. I know their their home life. I know what they're good at. I know, you know, their hobbies and what they enjoy. And then it's frustrating to feel like they can just be labeled because of what they score on a test. So yeah, that is, that's, that's frustrating, but well, thank you for doing the hard work of knowing them, <laughs> of like seeing yeah. them and knowing them as a whole person. We, yeah, we are so as parents, like, I just want to say thank you. Cause I know there's parents listening who have third graders and they hope that all of the teachers at whatever level they're at are, are just mm -hmm. like you and getting to know their, their kids, not as a number or as a test score, but as a human. Right. Yeah. Now you value learning. I Am I correct? Did you just, are you in school still or did you just finish school? 
Um, I just finished my master's in November. Um, I got my master's in curriculum and instruction. I did an online program. Um, so yeah, it was something I'd been wanting to do for a while and I kept putting off. And then I finally was like, you know what, just do it. <laughs> so I did, and I'm excited to um, you know, have that under my belt because it is something I've been wanting to do for a while. So yeah, and something that's important. And another the, re- the reason I bring it up is not only to celebrate, congratulations. Mm-hmm. That's a Thank big, <laughs> big accomplishment, but also just to say that it's another role, mm-hmm. another hat that you wore for a yeah. season. And yeah. and navigating that, it's mm-hmm. it's tricky when it's happening, but I, I know now you're just so grateful for what you learned and also for what that will mean yeah. for you as far as providing for your family because yeah, as a teacher that having your master's matters. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. It was challenging. Um, I, I started over the summer. It's a self-paced program. So I, I try to get as much done before the school year started. And then once the school year started, it slowed down a little bit and it was tricky. Like you said, trying to balance everything, but it was self-paced. And so just, you know, when I had the time, when the kids <laughs> were in bed or, you know, whenever I had the free time, I just tried to get as much done as I can. So um, yeah, I was proud. I was proud of accomplishing that because there were moments during that I thought, ah, I don't know. <laughs> I don't know if this is going to work out, but it all did. Yeah. Well, I'm listening to you as you're talking about your life now, and I'm hearing so many strengths of just how you pursue things, how you go all in, just your your compassion and your care for the people that you are responsible for guiding. And so I imagine that a lot of that came from your early life. I mean, yay, God, he created you a certain way. And then yes. your environment <laughs> your environment added to that. And so I want to switch gears and talk about your early life. And we all know from you what you said earlier that you're mm-hmm. that you grew up in the town that you're in. But tell us about mm-hmm. what that was like living in a small town as yeah. as a young person. Mm-hmm. Um, so growing up, we had my mom and my dad, and then I had a younger brother. And we were just really close growing up. Um, my parents are wonderful. They're always super, super supportive of us. Um, my mom was a very hands-on mom. And she actually, when we were younger, she had her own preschool that um, she owned and taught at. She's been a teacher, you know, and I think that's what influenced me to become a teacher as well. But she owned her own preschool and I just went with her Um pretty much since I was like one or two. So I went to preschool pretty much for five years. <laughs> but, and then my brother as well. And my mom was very much, um, very much like I am just, she went over the top with like our birthdays and holidays and my dad as well. They just, they made everything really special for us growing up. And, um, and she was a great teacher. And like I said, I think that's kind of what influenced me as I grew older. It was kind of just what I knew from watching her all those years. And she went back and got her master's when my brother and I were younger and just watching how hard she worked at it is definitely what influenced me to want to do the same thing. So, so yeah, that's like, I said, we had a a really good, a good close family. Um, We are very close, even with all of my grandparents, um, we're like the family that gets together for every person's birthday, every holiday. Just a couple of weeks ago, Grayson, my son decided he was going to throw together a bingo night. Um, <laughs> two, yeah. Two days before, I think it was a Thursday. He called all of his grandparents and great grandparents and said, I want to have a bingo night Saturday. And they all showed up. I mean, we had like 15 people at our house with two days of notice. So we, um, we really enjoy getting together with our family. Um, like I said, my grandparents, my parents and um yeah we're we're definitely a, a close family and that's possible because you live in the same yeah town yeah so it's funny um my parents they probably live 10 minutes from me and my parents and three grandparents, they all live within a half a mile of each other. So when we go to visit my parents, we can literally walk to all of my grandparents' house. So it is, we, we all live really close together, which makes it easy to get together a lot. Now help us understand, because that's not true for myself. It's not true for a lot of women that are listening, but was, is this a deliberate decision to stay 
in that general area and who is it everyone made this decision is it spoken mm-hmm. or is it unspoken talk to me a little bit about what you know of that yeah um so my husband nick he's also from the same area we went to different schools but within 10 minutes of each other and i think family is just something that has been such a huge part of my life um just my grandparents have been so involved. They never missed a sporting event of mine. Every birthday, every holiday, camping trips, we all have stuck together. So in my mind, I I honestly have never even really considered moving anywhere else because we just have such a strong support system here. And especially, you know, when I, I did have kids um, just having them near that family was just so important for me because he's so close um, with my parents, with you know Nick's mom, with all of our grandparents, and like I said, like he can just call them up and they'll all be there yeah. <laughs> probably that night if he asks them to. So, yeah. um, that support system has been really important for us. And I mean, there's been moments where it crosses your mind, you know, like what would it be like if we moved somewhere else or. I remember in high school, my parents having a conversation with me and my brother, like considering possibly moving down south um, to North or South Carolina. And it just came back down to we we couldn't go unless everybody went. (laughs) (laughs) So, um, you know, so we we've just stayed. And, you know, some people are like, I can't wait to, you know, get out and move somewhere else. But that's one thing Nick and I have had similar views on is is we love it here. We love being around family. Um, you know, my parents went to the elementary school that I'm teaching at now. I went to that elementary school and now Grayson's going there. And it's yeah. just, it kind of has a special, special place in our heart. I guess it feels like home. And it's just, you know, I go there and I know everybody. And I think there's something to be said to having that, that close community, you know, and I, I think people sometimes are excited to kind of, they're like, oh, when I graduate, I'm getting out of here. But at the same time, I think a lot of them end up coming back anyway, eventually. So true. Yeah. How how have you, how does your family navigate conflict or navigates relational situations such that yeah. there isn't that I got to get out of here. Like I want to get right. away. Yeah. What would yeah. you say has been a, one of, or two of the key reasons why that's true mm-hmm. in your family? Um, I think. I think our family is pretty good at communicating. And I think one thing is that when you do all live so close, I think sometimes it forces you to deal with conflict because whereas if we lived an hour or two away, it's like, well, if you don't see them, it's kind of like you don't have to deal with the conflict. But when you're right there and you know you're going to be seeing them every other day or talking to them frequently, then it's like, you can't just, you have to talk about it. (laughs) You have to resolve conflict. It's honestly, I think some people would be like saying that it would cause more conflict being so close to family, but I think it kind of made us face the conflict because we knew that it's, we're going to be seeing, you know, we're going to be seeing our family members so often that it kind of forces you to deal with any issues that you have. And everyone is just so supportive and so loving that they've made it easy. Yeah. And I think that I would have been on the side of saying, yeah, it would make it really hard because you're so close. Mm-hmm. Like how, how, but I, yeah. I had never considered what you said is that different, mm-hmm. that space, that not having to deal with it means you can yeah. just talk about it and with other right. people and not with the person that it's actually involving. And right. I, I even think about that and it's so crazy that I've never considered it. It's interesting what you said. And I, I'm really mm-hmm believe you. But I always say the more you're together, the more you're together. And yet here I am wondering how you do it. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. I think sometimes when you're, you're far away, it's easier to avoid the problems, I guess, Yeah, rather than having to deal with them up front. So I love that. I love that you said that out loud. So -hmm. tell me more about your, your childhood. You mentioned that you have always had a relationship with volleyball. Did that start when you were a kid? Yeah. So sports, have been a huge part of my life growing up. Um, Really, I would say our family dynamic, I mean, I have pictures of when I was just a little baby with a volleyball 
and pictures. My parents both played um, sand volleyball. And, you know, there's pictures of me two years old, just traveling around with them as they played volleyball. My dad played in adult leagues, volleyball and basketball. And I just always was like his sidekick, you know, tagging along with him. And then as soon as I was old enough um, to play sports, he um, coached all the teams I had, whether they were traveling teams, YMCA teams. Um, He even coached some of my school teams and same for my brother. And if we weren't at a practice or a game, we were usually out in the yard playing volleyball. We had a net set up in our yard and my mom and dad and brother and I would be playing two versus two out in the yard. (laughs) And if we weren't playing sports, we would, if we were inside, we were watching sports on TV. So it was, it was just a huge, a huge um, part of our lives um, growing up. You know, our weekends were consumed with it and it was just something that we really bonded over um really from the time I was born until I was in high school it was it was a large part of our lives mm-hmm. for sure as I'm listening to you talk about your family and your community mm-hmm. I just feel like together generationally there were so there was such a strong foundation set that you like everyone else has things happen in your life that are not mm-hmm. ideal that are pivotal and usually negative or inviting change in some way. And so I want to hear about some positive or maybe not so positive pivotal moments. I mean, yeah. I, I mean, I even hate even framing it that way. I don't know why I did because <laughs> everything has both positive and negative in it, right? Yeah. The hard mm-hmm. things that happen to us end up being some of the things that help us to grow in the best ways. And so what yeah. are some pivotal moments that happened to you mm-hmm. knowing you had this strong foundation and support, yeah. but still yeah. hard things happen? So what are yeah. some that you that strike you that happened in your early life? Mm-hmm. So um, I would say, you know, kind of going off of how I had said sports were such a large um, part of my life. I want to say like as as a child and even into, you know, my middle school and high school years, sports were a large part of where I placed like my identity, who I felt that I was, um, you know, living in a small town and, um, you know, when you're on the sports team, everybody knows who you are because it's just a small town and, you know, they love sports. And, and I mean, I played on traveling teams, school teams, um, to me. And like I said, as a family, like that is what most of our conversation was centered around. Our conversation was about, oh, what tournaments do we have this weekend? What and my dad being the coach, you know, all the ride homes is like, oh, what could you have done better? What did you, you know? And that's what I uh, I mean, my brother and I both are, I felt like our lives really were centered around sports and it was a large part of my identity. So when I went to college, um, and I had decided that I did not want to play sports in college. It was a really, really hard transition for me. Um, and I, I think to some people that might sound silly, but I it was so much rooted in who I felt I was that when I went to college um, in a little bit of a bigger city than you know what I live in now, and I went and in, and all of a sudden, like that part of me was just gone. Um, I just the sports that I had been playing my whole life, kind of what my family bonded over was gone, you know, and I'm at this college where nobody knows who I am. Um, I have no, I'd no longer have sports, which is who I kind of, you know, based my identity on. And all of a sudden I just felt like, who, well, who am I without sports? Like what, what do I even enjoy besides that? Like, and I just, I really struggled um, during that time period, just kind of because I placed so much of my identity into one thing that when it was gone, I I wasn't really sure who I was or, you know, where to go from there. So I really, really struggled with that. And then, um, you know, I ended up moving back home because I did go into kind of a dark place when I went away to school and just kind of navigating that transition. And then my family, you know, my parents knew I was struggling and they were like, 
just come back home. We'll help you. And so I did end up moving back home and I was commuting to school at that point. And then uh, my senior year of college I is when I got pregnant with Grayson. Mm-hmm. And then, you know, I, I had finally been, you know, feeling better about like, you know, coping with the fact that, you know, that's not my identity anymore. I'm, you know, I'm more than just sports. <laughs> I have other things that I enjoy. Yes. Well, then I'm, you know, I'm finally feeling better. And then I I got pregnant. And I think transitioning now into another role of motherhood was another transition for me that now I felt my identity shifted to being a mom. You know what I mean? So it's yeah. like um, all these transitions of like who I thought I was and then moving into like a new version of myself. It was, it was challenging. So then, um, you know, I then became a, a new mom. And then once again, I'm like, I I still don't know who I am because I went from, you know, this person who, um, you know, loved sports where I was in, in this small town where everybody knew my name to college where I felt like a complete stranger, like to myself even. And then into now a new mom at a young age, I was 21 when I had Grayson. And so now within a matter of a few years, my whole life has been a complete 180. <laughs> so I'm like, now I'm a mom to yeah. a little boy. And that is, you know, another thing that I'm just, I, it was hard. It was a lot of transitions that made me really think like, who, who am I? Like who, where am I placing my identity? And I think, you know, I look back and my mom, she, she has a very strong relationship with God and she taught that to my brother and I, but when I look back, um, we didn't really attend church. So I, I knew about God. Um, you know, I, I had a relationship, but it wasn't until high school I started going um, to a youth group with one of my friends. And when I started going there, like it started kind of clicking for me more that I was going because I wanted to, because I was growing a relationship with God. And um, that youth group, it was, so helpful to me. We went on missions trips and church camp and all these fun, fun things that, um, and you know, I started going there right before I'd went to college when I had struggled. And I'm so glad that I did because it did give me, you know, when I was at school struggling, I had the preacher reaching out to me, talking to me, my youth group, um, reaching out. And it did give me like that foundation of hope. And I think that, um, you know, I placed so much of my identity in different things and sports and being a mom. And I look back and I think my identity should have just been rooted in God. Like I am a child of God. I am, that is who I am, whether I have sports or not, you know, um, with kids or without kids, that that should have been where my identity was rooted. And because it hadn't been, when certain things were taken away, it really, um, you know, it really threw me for a loop because I was like, well, without that, who am I? And so I guess, you know, what I've tried to do now as a mom is like the one thing I want my kids to know is like their identity is in God. I don't care if you play sports. <laughs> I don't care if you, you know, get all A's or this. And like, I just want you to know that no matter what, like your identity is in God. So as you grow up and you go through hard things, you transition into different seasons of life. Like no matter what, that's going to be the one constant thing in your life is that you have your identity rooted in God and not things that are going to come and go. So I guess I think what I would tell myself now if I was looking back is that the sports are not who you are. Um, Your identity is you know, in God, in God alone. And you are loved regardless of if you have those things. You know what I mean? So I totally know what you mean. Yeah. I love that you shared all of that, Whitney, because mm-hmm. it it's so critical to, I mean, it's easy to look back in, in hindsight and yeah. say this, this, and this, and, and it's, these things shape us, they shape yeah. us and they determine how the kinds of 
parents we are and what we do and how we, how we go forward Mm -hmm. and, and your community and your family support and that foundation was, Mm -hmm. was pivotal and powerful. Yeah. And also you, your relationship with God was, and, and you were able to, you're able to see that now and to see that and to cling to that. And if you're like the rest of us and human, you'll have more seasons where you drift and where you put your identity in something other Mm -hmm. than God. And then we get that invitation back. I, I honestly feel like sometimes those hard things that happen to us are, Mm -hmm. are, they're so crucial for us to even recognize our dependence to recognize because it's so easy to become independent. Like our, our fallen nature is like, we're going to do it. It's just how quickly do we get back? And I, I feel like that's another reason that having a church community can be so helpful is to get you there sooner. (laughs) Yeah. Oh yeah. Yeah, absolutely. And so you navigated a lot of transitions Mm -hmm. and all of that together hard. You wouldn't want to do it again. And there was probably still more coming, Mm -hmm. but do you see those time periods now as a gift to your faith? Or do you I, see yeah. Him? Yeah. How do you see yeah. him? I guess I do. So actually after I had Grayson, I, you know, was involved in a young adult group at church and they started a college age, um, girls, like a small group, a small Bible group. And at this time I was out of college, but they were like, do you want to come help out? You know, and just come talk because I was, um, in that young adult group. And when I, when I went and this was the first time, Um, You know, there were girls in that college age group that were struggling with the same things that I struggled with and that were feeling the same feelings. And it was kind of the first time that I felt like, okay, I kind of I went through that for a reason because now I can use my experiences to relate better to other people and be more empathetic to people who are struggling, um, you know, with the same things that I did. So, um, and it, it really forced me to kind of get out of my comfort zone and talk about some of those like hard times with other people. Mm -hmm. Um, you know, I listened to podcasts about, you know, different feelings of, of shame or embarrassment and this, like just feelings that I kind of went through. And, um, I, I really feel like it helped me to grow just like all, you know, all hard times do, but in the moment, it's hard to see. But then when you look back, there's usually always a purpose for what you went through. So I do think a lot of the things that I went through helped me to be more empathetic, you know, to other people going through the same things. Mm -hmm. I think as I'm listening to you, I hear the foundation, like we've talked about that your family set and that you had Mm -hmm. in your small town community. But I also see even that sports helped you. That was a community too. Mm-hmm. and pursuing oh, yeah. sports. And so all of that mm-hmm. just, I feel like was foundational for you. And also yeah. it's just something you're doing now for your kids. Like you're actively pursuing yeah. family. You're actively pursuing community. The word dependence often gets a bad rap, especially in America where we can place more value on independence and self than we do on dependence and the collective. This can be a problem At some point, we all get to the limit of our own will and skill level. This is as it should be. Understanding the value of community, doubling down on our own talents, and utilizing others' natural gifts is a powerful formula for serving both self and community. If you are someone who has reached a stuck point and recognizes that to move forward, you need an outside perspective, coaching may be for you. Remember, asking for help is brave. Doing life with others is necessary. Structured guidance adds value, and your actions can make a difference. For more information about coaching with Carla, please go to CarlaOsorno.com. Life is hard. We don't have to do it alone. You're actively pursuing making an impact in your community by raising up these little kids in your own home and also teaching other people's kids and loving on them during the hours where they can't be with their own families. And Mm -hmm. I, I see you using your talents and using your calling to change your community. And it's, it's beautiful. It's really beautiful. And you're young, 
you're in your <laughs> middle 20s. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and I just, it's just really beautiful to see. It's it's really beautiful to see. So I, I hope you were pausing and, and recognizing what you're accomplishing, um, not because it's an accomplishment, but because it's just flowing out of who you are. And it's yeah. it's really cool. It's Thank really you. cool. What do you, when you look around and you think about community and conversations and connection, what do you wish were different? I would say, um, you know, specifically at this time, um, it's it's hard as far as getting together with friends for community. It's mm-hmm. challenging when you have young kids because um, my friends were also at the same season where our kids are very young. You know, we have toddlers, newborns. Um, so, and with all the different roles that we talked about that I do, that sometimes when I do get a free moment, I want to just lay on the couch and watch Netflix. Like, <laughs> I don't want, <laughs> I, um, and I know that, you know, everyone's schedules are just so busy and, so that any free time you get, it's sometimes like I personally just am like, just want to retreat into my own bubble instead of, um, you know, it's like, okay, let's pack up all the kids and get together. And it's sometimes when they're so little can can be a little bit more challenging to find that time to get together when you're and to have energy to do so <laughs> if you're just not exhausted. So that's one thing that has been challenging for me as far as, and I have really good friends and we stay connected. Um, but as far as like getting together in person a lot, it, it's it been more challenging in this season with little kids. I'm hoping that as it gets warmer out during summer, we'll have, and I'll be off teaching, we'll have some play dates at the park and things like that. But um, yeah. during, during those winter months, it's just kind of like, feels a little bit like survival mode sometimes. (laughs) (laughs) Well, and don't you think that that's okay? Like to have those seasons where there's more, like it's kind of, it ebbs and flows. And I mean, there is a reason we have four seasons and each season is going to look a little bit different. And even the seasons of life, like you talked about. Yeah. Connecting with people Mm -hmm. when you have little, it's different. It is. And, and when I, you know, I was young when I had Grayson, so I was the first out of our friends to have a, a kid. And that was really hard because, um, you know, I was tired and he, you know what I mean? And it's hard for people to understand that. And then finally, now my friends all have kids too. And they're like, okay, yeah, I totally get why <laughs> like we, where you would want to stay home tonight or you just want to rest tonight. And yeah. So it's easier when you, you know, when you're kind of in that, that same season of life together, it's mm-hmm. like, okay, yeah, I, I get it. But, um, but it yeah, makes, we still, we try, <laughs> try to get together I, as much I as we see, can. I see you trying. And I, it also makes me think back to what you said about tagging along with your dad while he was on those adult leagues. It's like, yeah, that's, that's sometimes how your community happens is when you're yeah. showing up for those adult volleyball games or adult basketball games and your kids are tagging along with you. I think that the shift has happened culturally where now we follow our kids to their stuff and not that your parents didn't do that, but I don't know how often the kids follow the parents to their stuff. Yeah. Yeah. That's so true. And that's where I met some of my, you know, my friends that I'm still best friends with to this day is, um, you know, their parents played volleyball with my parents and we were just always at the games together. And that's <laughs> just yeah. kind of how things formed. So um, I think we yeah. have to be fluid in our idea of how it should form, because if you think about it in terms of I'm going to do all these roles and each one has its own time, you yeah. can never do it. Like you yeah, need to, absolutely. you need to kind of have focus in what hat am I wearing? But as far mm-hmm. as connection and community and conversations, those yeah. things have to be woven through everything. They can't be yeah. an add-on when I have free time yeah. or it can't be a choice between Netflix or community. Right. Like you need downtime. Yes. Yeah. And and so those the in my mind community has to be woven through those other roles or else yeah. it's not going to happen. Absolutely. Yep. Definitely have to be flexible for sure. Yeah. Well, oh my gosh, I'm loving talking to you about all of these things. <laughs> I I do think that you're so wise. I think especially for your age. I know I keep bringing that up, but that's because I'm <laughs> two times your age. And so yeah. it's it's so apparent to me what you've learned already about life and just how you're using it again to just make an impact. And it, it's really, really cool. 
And we've talked a lot throughout your whole story about what community looks like and how we all have a need for community and also have to be, in your words, creative and flexible about how that happens. Yeah. But I want to know, Whitney, how you would encourage a busy woman to pursue genuine community. What, What advice would you give her from what you've experienced yourself? Yeah. Um, I think like you said, like we mentioned before, um, being flexible. And I think also just like being willing to meet people where they're at. Uh, like I said, with my friends at this this season, this age, uh, the age of our kids where we're at now, um, like I, I'm going to go over to my friend's house and I don't expect their house to be tidy and clean. I don't expect all their dishes to be done and everything. It's just, you just have to meet people where they are at. And, you know, we know what it's like, and I'm not here to judge you and I'm not here. And I would hope they would not do the same for me. It's more about just being there for each other and being supportive of each other. And, um, you know, like, I've had a friend just be like, I'm going grocery shopping. Do you want to come along? I'm like, yeah, (laughs) sure. Like that. And being creative, like be creative in the ways that you get together. And, and what I really feel is that, um, little things make a a big difference too. Like, um, we, I might not be able to get together with my friends as much as I would like to. And I think as our kids get older, we probably will. It, it, things kind of change, but, um, little things just to let them know that, you're thinking about them go a really long way. Like if my friend knows that one of my kids is sick and they just shoot a text like, Hey, how's Grayson doing today? It seems like something so small and trivial, but just knowing that you have people in your corner, people that are thinking about you, it keeps that communication and that friendship and that relationship open to where whenever we do have more free time, it's not like I haven't talked to those people in months because we've kept those little lines of communication open and we usually can just pick right up where we left off. So I would say just, even if it seems like something small, send them the Snapchat, send them a text message, let them know you're thinking of them. Um, I'll even just reach out and be like, Hey, are you watching the new season of the bachelorette like let's talk about it <laughs> my guilty pleasure is reality tv so um just do the little things and uh be flexible and just be willing to meet people where they're at that would be my advice Mindy, you are awesome you are nailing it in all of these roles and and it's because it's flowing out of who you are and the foundation that was set for you in your community and with your family and you're bringing it to the next generation and i'm super honored to know you Thank you for joining me at the Commons. Thank you, Carla. Thank you for listening to the Commons with Carla. In each of these conversations, I hope you find inspiration. And I hope that you notice more of what you have in common with the women around you as you ask questions, get to know their story, and share your own. Your story matters. If you love this episode, please leave a rating and review. Follow the show on your podcast app and tell a friend. Thank you to Bethany and Whitney at Adkins Media Co. for their production work on the show and to Donald Zimmerman for our theme music. That's it for this episode. In the words of Thomas Merton, love is our true destiny. We do not find the meaning of life by ourselves alone. We find it with another. Have a great week, everyone.